prices are going to level out or they're going to start to decline a little bit. And you can buy an, an appreciating market now, but if the numbers didn't work, then they're really not going to work because your appreciation is going to be gone. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips and Heather Marchant here. It's great. Man, we just got done with a crazy trip. Like I was out there in Utah and all week. It was great. It was fun. It was great. Had our quarterly meetings and... Anybody out there running a business, you should definitely be doing that. It is really good. And you should also make sure to have some fun when you're out there doing that. We always have fun, but we did for our quarterly meeting as well. This is great. Yeah. I feel like COVID dampened our fun for a little while, not being able to get together. And I mean, we used to do like monthly lunches and it's just, it's been tricky. So we were super pumped. Yes. It was good to see everybody. And I mean, we had some new hires like during COVID that had met nobody except for over Zoom. So that was even better. We flew everybody in and everybody to meet everybody. So it was great. And we also, we did like, we did two meetings or something too on Zoom. I can't even remember. It was like a whirlwind last week, but we did. <laughs> well, we did some Facebook lives. About- oh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're our- not in our Facebook group, you should definitely join. We did some Facebook lives uh, last week. And then we did a webinar last week for the first time in I don't even know how long to another group, TARDIS, who's been on a few weeks ago. I mean, that was fun too. That was fun. Weird to sit side by side because we're always like this in two separate In a park. We did it in a park. Yeah, it was kind of fun. And then we did the other one, an office building from a friend of ours that, that we know. So anyway, we were all over Utah last week, had a great time. And from that, Heather, we got... A bunch of questions. I think you've been getting questions about this particular topic today from a lot of people. So, yeah, I think with the current market and how it's so competitive to get properties, I think people start to slip a little bit and make exceptions as to what properties they're willing to buy. Right. Mm. So, we've talked about that as a team how to protect against that, right? That we don't start allowing properties to creep in that we would normally just not ever say are an option for our clients. So I think that it's a good time to talk about it, but in the TARDIS webinar, they requested it because it's been something that their people wanted to know. And I realized we hadn't talked about it in a really long time. Well, and I I think they also had some people who were actually going out and actively searching for things and really didn't know what they were doing. And some of them were getting into trouble doing it. Yeah. Right. And that tends to happen when things get nuts like this. People lose their minds and go out and do things that they probably shouldn't do and they would otherwise wouldn't do. It's that whole auction mentality, right? Where you get caught up in the fever of the auction and you, <laughs> you end up paying more than you could pay for something just, yeah. you know, normally. And it was That's supposed cool. to be a better deal. It turns out it's not a better deal at all. You just paid more money for it. And we don't want all of you doing that. In addition, you shouldn't be buying. There's not really a shortage of war zone houses. Should we say, Heather? Yeah, almost ever. Ever. (laughs) They're always available. They're always relatively inexpensive. And man, you can make those things look cute. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just make them look really cute until they get tatted up with some gang tats. 
and then they're not so cute anymore. I've never heard that phrase before, a tattooed house, but that, I know exactly what you're talking exactly about. exactly what they do to them. They <laughs> tat them up with uh, all kinds of gang symbols. Yep. And yeah, if your house has got one of those, it ain't selling. Let's just yeah. put it that way. So, Well, I think uh, another question we have that ties into this topic really well, too, is what do we do right now or what are we doing right now in this type of market as, you know, as a company who sells rental properties and a shortage of properties, what are some things that we're doing to help? And I, I think one thing that people don't necessarily realize is when inventory is low and you can't find existing properties, we move to construction and we do that at the same time all the time, but that's what it's been our focus to try to get more inventory. If people aren't going to sell their houses, then let's find, let's build some, right? The cost of lumber though, being high has made that difficult. Everything in every single place you've looked has constricted, right? Mm -hmm. And so that makes it even more important to not lose your brain. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you know, it's okay to adjust a little bit, right? I mean, if five years ago you bought a property and it was, you know, cash on cash return was 20%. Well, that's unreasonable today, right? But that doesn't mean that you don't buy a property at 12 or yeah. 10, because those are really good returns. Those are really good returns. I mean, ask anybody out there who's currently getting like 4% and they'll tell you that's a tremendous return. And that's only one of the returns that everybody, everybody else forgets about all the other three. And so there's a reason why the institutional money is coming into this space in record numbers. And it's because over time, if you actually look back over time, including 2008, including everything, if you look back over time, because of those three returns, nothing beats real estate. And the institutional investors, the, the hedge funds have finally figured it out and they're jumping in. And I just read an article the other day, Heather, that said that they only own like two to 3% of all of the inventory, of the rental inventory, right? Single family home rental inventory. As much as they've bought, they still don't own as much as the mom and pops out there own. And so they've figured it out though. They're jumping. And billions and billions and billions of dollars into the housing market. And there's a reason. It's because over time, it's an incredible investment. That's but right. And when anything- the criteria. Oh, sorry. I was going to say one last thing. When anything constricts too, we don't know what lending is going to do. We're going to do a whole episode on what's happened historically back in 2008 and you know the number of loans being restricted. And so I know for myself, I couldn't buy back in the last market cycle. So if we think a market cycle is coming, like sitting on your laurels and waiting to have your 20% down, it may mean that you can't even get in the game once it shifts. So yeah, but it may mean that you can get in the game way easier for the next year <laughs> because yeah. they're easing restrictions yeah. again. Yeah. I don't know if you read this the other day, Heather, I read an article that the government is trying to make it easier for people with student loan debt to get properties are just not going to count student loan debt, uh -huh. or they're going to increase their DTI, their debt to income ratio to the point where it doesn't matter. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, guys, this is exactly the kind of lunacy that got us in the Look, it's this whole equity thing, right? It's that everybody should be completely equal about everything all the time. And that is exactly what got us into this mess before, yeah. right? There are people who can't afford a house. Hard stop. Sorry about it. That's the way it is. Yeah. When you make it easy for people who cannot control their finances or 
straight up don't have enough money to buy a house, when you make it easier for those people to buy a house, you don't help them. You, it hurts them financially. And I don't understand why politicians can't figure this out. It's not that complicated, right? You either have the money or you don't. But how could any of our politicians know this anyway? Because they spend money like a drunken sailor. No offense to any sailors out there <laughs> all the time. And the reason they do, because it's not their money. It's our money. And then they act like it's some kind of a, this wonderful gift if they lower our taxes and let us keep more of our money. That's like they're giving it back to us or something. It's freaking our money to begin with, lunatics. <laughs> what was this episode about, Heather? Well, I wanted to talk about our criteria. In no, that's good. Acquiring property. Probably should, because I'm just going to rant about the government if we don't. Well, it's keeping us grounded in fundamentals versus giving into the hype, right? Because yep. there's a lot of, I have a lot of clients that are, I guess I should say, I spend a lot of my day telling clients, I'm sorry, that property already sold. Like, it's pretty brutal. Like, it's not fun for me, actually. And so when you get into that mode, I've had clients just start saying, oh, yeah, yeah I want to buy it. I want to buy it. And I'm like, yeah, but you had said that you didn't want a property that had these, you know, certain criteria. And he said, well, I don't care anymore. Like I just need a property. And so I think making sure you're grounded in your principles and what your goals are and what you're looking to accomplish is super important. Yes. And making sure that you're not making a really poor decision just because of the heat of the moment. Right. Yes. And guys, I mean, I didn't look, I tried really hard to buy last year. If you'll recall, I talked about getting really irritated that I didn't get to close that apartment building last year. Well, it's month six now. I haven't closed another one. Yeah. There are people who are buying apartment buildings and it's not just hedge funds, guys. You got to understand this. So there's people out there who are buying apartment buildings where the margins are so razor thin. If anything goes wrong, they're going to be screwed. And so will all their investors. And I don't understand it other than that they need to buy a property. Yeah. I need to buy a property too. I'm just not going to do it if that's what I can buy, right? Because yeah. the numbers don't make sense. And then it's the same thing with the criteria, right? Do I have to go buy next to a crack house to get something that the numbers work? I'm just not going to do that. It mm -hmm. goes against everything that I know works in real estate. Exactly. So the unbreakable rule in looking at properties is cash flow. So as far as we are concerned, we don't even need to really talk about that too much because I think everyone listening knows that cash flow is what we've always focused on. <laughs> but even in a market like this, even when prices go up, I talked to someone else this week who said, man, I, mean, I just want to buy another rental in Utah, but I just don't know if I can make the numbers work. It's just it's <laughs> sure so you can. 60% down. It's 60% <laughs> down. You can make the numbers work. Great. Fine. Yeah. So I said, I'm like, well, that's just an unbreakable rule for me. You just don't buy it if it doesn't cash flow. End of story. So people are buying 4% cap rates on not even on brand new construction. I mean, those fourplexes in Boise that we were talking about, Heather, I mean, our people bought them at 255 and 260, I think. And they're selling now for over $800,000, which is a fantastic return for everybody that bought one. I mean, good for everybody that bought one. But the people who are now are currently buying those, you've got to, I mean, that is just crazy time. Yes, I agree. And the other couple of things too is looking at the local economy, right? You just, it has to have job growth. It has to have commercial development. 
have to have people wanting to live there. You don't want to buy in an area where people are all moving away. Mm-hmm. And there are several markets like that. Right? Don't make me laugh and get me started on it. I don't, because I don't know how to politically correct, identify those areas. Very clear why people are leaving those areas. You can't tax the snot out of people, give them nothing in return and expect them to say thank you and stay there. It's just not going to happen. Yep. Unbelievable to me anyway. And then affordable prices. I mean, that's one thing that really takes a lot of markets out of the running, you know, that mm-hmm. you're going to have to pay half a million dollars for a property when you could, I mean, this is a mind shift thing when I tell people this, because they're like, yeah, but it's in my neighborhood and it's still cash flows. And I said, yeah, but what if you could buy three houses for that same amount of money and you have three tenants paying rent. So if one of them doesn't pay, you still have two tenants paying rent or all three of them are depreciating and all three of them are appreciating. All three of them are getting principal reduction. It's real having affordability can really help your portfolio grow. Well, and I think the other thing too, that, that people say in this scenario, right? They're saying, okay, well, this area is growing. Take Utah, for example, right? I mean, Utah's economy is crazy. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with Boise, Idaho. Nothing wrong with Phoenix, Arizona. Nothing wrong with these places at all. Other than the fact that the numbers don't work. Mm -hmm. They just don't work. Sorry. I mean, everything else points to that you should invest there. And that's what's wrong with all those lists where you see them on name your financial institution magazine. They all, or website, they all have their lists of the greatest places to invest in real estate and they completely ignore the unbreakable rule. And at some point here, you know, in the not too distant future, prices are going to level out or they're going to start to decline a little bit. And you can buy an an appreciating market now, but if the numbers didn't work, then they're really not going to work because your appreciation is going to be gone, right? You can't just buy for appreciation. That's what people did in six, seven, and eight. That's what people did. And then they got their butts handed to them. Yeah. So buying a break-even property or one that barely cash flows, or one that doesn't cash flow at all is a bad idea, no matter what is going on in the area. But after that, you do have to pay attention to everything Heather just said. In addition to that, Heather, why is it that people, when they're buying rental properties, think that tenants don't care what the school system is like, and they don't care whether people are getting shot down the street? (laughs) I'm never going to understand this, but they they completely forget the fact that those people aren't any different than them. They're just renting instead of owning. That's the only difference. Yep. 100%. And then you also have making sure when you look at a market too, that there people want to rent there, that there's not a saturation of rental properties such that it's going to take you nine months to fill your rental property without, you know, drop rent. So that's usually some things that people just don't think about right? Is there too many rentals in this market? Yep. Yep. All right. Some other criteria, at least, you know, if you're looking at, we look at single families, multifamily, we love duplexes and triplexes and fourplexes that don't require a commercial loan. But man, in the last month, we've moved several small apartment buildings, um, Mm -hmm. 80, 12 unit, couple 12 units. I just got a 23 unit in that I'm betting. I mean, several several options in different classes of real estate. And it's cool to diversify your portfolio a little bit by having different types of investments. So I find it interesting that Heather's vetting a 23 unit that I haven't seen. And there's a reason for that because I think if they come through me, they rarely make it to Heather. Because <laughs> if they're, they're a good deal, then I just buy it. I think so, maybe we need to have a conversation about the uh, 23 unit. I don't understand why that didn't 
across Ron's desk. I, I only got it last night. I don't understand why I haven't seen it first. We are good friends, but I, have, I haven't talked to you since like 10 o'clock last night. So. <laughs> All right. Well, then it's excusable. Uh, it's excusable. <laughs> we are recording this at 10 in the morning, too. So it's been about 12 hours. So I think okay. I will it to you. I got All you. Right. All right. I would have expected a text this morning, but whatever. <laughs> All right. I'll remember. The other couple things to keep in mind, we've already really said, we just don't do D-class properties, the war zone properties, the ones Ram is talking about, the Ted mm-hmm. properties, right? I guess just reiterating. But keep in mind that there is a difference between new properties and rehab properties. I actually yep. am really surprised how many people come to me, Ron, and they say, well, this one is performing at like 18%. Why is this one at 12 and I say, well, have you ever shopped for a car? Like, do you pay the same price for a used? Have you shopped for a car that's like great? Like a used Pilot, a Honda Pilot that's brand new or a Honda Pilot that's used? And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm like, yeah, you can't. If, they're, if you are paying the same price, who's ever going to buy older cars or older properties if it's all yep. the same? Yep. So. And there's some other things, right? You get a warranty with that car. You get a warranty yep. with the new product. There's just not as much that's going to happen. I mean, just not much breaks when it's brand new, right? Yep. There's less. So you're paying for a little bit of peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And with the older property, you're rolling the dice a little bit. And, you know, on that call the other day, Heather, we talked about the fact that we own, I own both of those. I own new stuff and I own older stuff, A, B, and C class properties. And I like all of them. For different reasons. For sure. And then a couple of what not to buy. One horse towns. Man, we... we, That's um, an overlooked one. Yeah. It's something I learned personally, not because I bought there, but because I was working at a different place and they were selling properties in North Dakota. And I said, I'm not really comfortable with that. Like This seems like it's high risk. And I kind of stood my ground and I'm glad I did because I only, I had clients that bought there and I just sat them down and said, you realize like, this is all the downside of what you're doing. Sure. There's this upside for sure, but here's all the downside. I think I only ever worked with two clients that bought up there. Everyone else I discouraged from buying up there and uh, it it doesn't make any, I mean, no. That's the whole hype thing that we're talking about, right? Don't buy the hype either. Well, the hype of that was people were paying astronomical amounts of rent because of a very short-term supply-demand problem. Mm -hmm. This wasn't a long-term supply-demand problem. Very short-term, right? Because as soon as they build enough units, prices are coming down. Or as soon as the prices of oil goes down to the point where oil shale doesn't work anymore, well, then then there's no work. Yeah. Right. There's any number of things is going to happen that's going to bring those down. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. It really didn't take very long either. No, it was surprisingly fast. But I think, I mean, when you have one industry, I mean, Detroit is a great example of that. I actually graduated high school in Detroit. So Ooh. I know, I know, Eight mile. Right? I totally look like a Detroit person, but Ron was really surprised. She when dated Eminem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was so cool. No, and Kid really. Rock, both. <laughs> But all my high school was like all brand new vehicles. My friends would turn 16 and their parents bought them a brand new car because they all worked in the motor industry, right? So it was very, very obvious that, you know, most of the friends I had that were all tied to that industry, most of their families have all left Detroit since then. So it's 
it, when it can turn on a dime like that, no. Yeah, and who would have know. ever seen that one coming? Ever in a million years. Guys, you have to have a diversified workforce, right? Just because you yep. can get... And then after the crash, everybody went up there and bought all these cheap properties, which is fantastic, I guess. But yeah. you know, you have to have an underlying economy to support that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, who's going to rent your properties? Yeah. And then, you know, once that happens, until they diversify, I don't want to jump back in there anyway. Exactly. The same thing happened with Vegas. I had a real hard time with buying in Vegas when you could buy in Florida and Phoenix and Boise and all these other places that actually had underlying diversified economies. And Vegas didn't. Nothing against Vegas. Well, that's not true. I really don't like Vegas. (laughs) I was going to say. (laughs) I really don't like it. There's, there's nothing really appealing about it at all. It's yeah. in the middle of the desert. And I mean, don't get me started on Vegas. I, I don't get it. I know there's a lot of people out there to love it. God bless you. But I, I can't stand Vegas. Totally in with you. Like one of my least favorite places. So I'll get I guess- hate, I'm going to get hate mail for that one. Yeah, you might. You don't know what you're talking about. You just haven't been to the right places. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. True. You're probably right. That's I haven't true. been to the right places. I think one of the last things we haven't covered is solid property management. Yes. That you have to have solid property management if you have a great property that cash flows and, and the numbers look really good, if you don't have a good property manager, just that's all she wrote. Like you need and to then, have. And yeah. then, you know, this may sound elementary to some, but you actually have, even if you have solid property management, you have to watch the stinking numbers. Mm-hmm. You have to watch what comes. You have to watch what they're charging. You have to watch what they're fixing. You have to watch all of that stuff. Just like you would. I mean, in our company, Heather, goodness, we have to, I mean, we have to constantly go over the financials and we're turning stuff off. We're like canceling stuff. It's not that anybody did anything malicious, but literally every quarter, there's thousands of dollars a month that we have to stop paying on purpose. It is no different. This is a business, right? So we're telling you criteria of what you should look for when you're buying the business. When you buy the business, you still have to operate the business. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because you put a manager in place doesn't mean you don't check in on the manager occasionally. It would be the same thing in our company. If we just, you know, hired somebody, yeah. put them in there and just said, Hey, have at it. Here's the keys. Later. Do pretty much whatever you want. We'll ask you at the end of the year, how things went. Hope it goes well. No one would do that with their business. No one would do that with their business. Even, I mean, I'm a pretty detached from our company, kind of. Yeah. I mean, we talk quite a bit, but I don't really get heavily involved in things, but I meet yeah. every week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, every week I'm looking at stuff. And even during the week, I'm looking at the numbers to make sure we're not completely up in the night. And it, it is remarkable to me how many people think that when you buy a man, buy a property and give it to a management company that you don't have to look at your statements. I mean, it's remarkable to me. Yeah. It's not, it's passive but it's not that passive. It's, yeah, it's not it's set still it. Still a business. It's not set it and forget it. What was the uh, what was that commercial? You set it and forget it. It's oh, not yeah. like that, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, we just had a me and a couple of partners. We own a lot of properties in Memphis together, and we just met and we were like, "What the heck is going on with our maintenance here on this package of single family homes?" You know, and we started digging into it, and then we started bringing in more of the team and more of the management and all this. I'm like, what is happening here? Because the expenses are rising. What's going on? You have to ask those questions to be able to ascertain what's happening and then actually address what's going on. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a for instance. I have some properties and I just noticed that repairs kept escalating. Good management company. Nobody was maliciously doing anything, but this is what they had done. They'd switched softwares. This new software gave them the ability to do all kinds of automated things. 
which should be a good thing, right? There's yeah, nothing wrong with sure. that. But one of the things that automated was maintenance. So there was no human being. It just tenant sends in a work order. Oh, automatically man. they send out the maintenance guy. Oh man. And well, of course the maintenance was going up. No one was even. I mean, they could have been calling for a light bulb change, and I was sending out a person and paying for it. Oh man. Right. All because they changed something internally. And they didn't realize what was going to come out on the other end, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when you have 55, 60 houses, I don't know why it's different than one, but the number smacks you in the face a little harder when there's 60 of them and they're all doing it, right? I was like, right? what the? And then what I found out, I'm like, you can't do that. You're, you're right. And they changed it for everybody internally, oh. but that happened in... It was overnight. My expenses shot through the roof. Nobody tried to do that to me. It wasn't malicious. Mm -hmm. There was no point for me to call the management company and ball them out. But I did need to know what the heck is going on. And it, that for requires sure. me looking at the financials. Wow. That's crazy. That would be yep. really apparent with that many properties. It was a big number. I'm not going to huh. lie. It hurt, <laughs> my, it hurt my feelings. <laughs> but I think even though this may seem redundant, I think for us as a team, when we meet and we met this last week, like Ron said, we definitely had the, a lot of options to, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah. To get better, to make things better. Right. And I think it was really cool too, that a lot of the, a lot of times that comes from the people inside who are on the ground working, right? Your manager, which you should stay in touch with, right. And things like that. Anyway, yes. I hope this has been a good look at what you should look for what you should be out there actively trying to find and that you should not change, don't bend. I mean, look, a little bit is okay, right? If you're dead set on 20%, today's market, you're probably not going to get that every time. You know, that's a home run. Could even be an inside the park home run. And that's not what happens every time you step up to the plate. You're just trying to get on, just get on first, right? If you get on first enough times, you score. That's yeah. all you have to do. Just get, just hit the ball and get on, on base. That's it. So I remember what I forgot. So I'm, because I finished my thought is because it will bug me is when we met last week, we go through our same stuff over and over and over again. We mm. talk about our core values, who our core client is, what we're focused on, what we want to do to help people in just like the community, let alone our clients. And we revisit it every quarter. At first, when I would go to these meetings, it seemed so silly to repeat the same stuff every time. But when you do, it keeps you focused, helps our whole team remember what we're about and why we're doing this and really helps in fundamentals. So that's why going over these things, maybe even with a business partner or your spouse to make sure you're on the same page all the time. Well, and I think the other thing that that does too, is it allows us to adjust Yep. because there have been many quarters where we've shown up and we've said, Hey, this is our core client. And then it wasn't, but a year and a half ago that we completely yeah. changed that, right? We were like, this actually isn't our core client. Yep. And we need to stop marketing to them because this over here is our core client. And it's really important. Like the same thing with what kind of properties you're looking for and where you're looking for them. You need to understand that in order to be able to, to compete. Because if you're out there, unless you're a rehabber, unless you're actively marketing to buyers and you have a complete system set up to be able to buy these properties yourself, you're probably not getting 20%. It's just probably not going to happen right now. Mm-hmm. But again, you can adjust, but you know, don't adjust down to a break even. Don't adjust yeah. down to a negative because other people are buying that nonsense. Don't do that. 
Yeah. But you're probably going to have to adjust down from 20. I mean, I've had to do that. Me too. It is what it is, right? I'm not going to stop buying just because I can't get 20 this week, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm not buying a four cap. Sorry, <laughs> I'm just not doing it. <laughs> I'll keep my money in the bank. I'm not buying a four cap. It's not happening. So anyway. Well, I think that's a great wrap for us this week to end on, right? To sit down with the people that you're investing with and make sure you are solid on your game plan, even in a different market. So. Yeah, and if you need help from us, we're here to help you, right? Just reach out, invest at rpcinvest.com. And mm -hmm. yeah, and then leave us some comments and let us know what you want us to cover. It's funny because every week, Heather and I go over, hey, what should we talk about this week? And we <laughs> usually are trying to figure out from you guys, what is the most pressing thing? And so right. we are going to do a show, like Heather said, on loans because we've gotten a lot of requests on loans because things are getting crazy with loans. So we're going to do that. But if you have anything else, just let us know. Business, Please. commercial, residential, real estate, whatever it is. All right. And until next time, get out there and make something happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.